Welcome to uh, Carols by Candlelight. We're delighted you're here. And uh, if you're a visitor, if you haven't already collected your uh, Christmas gift, then do so on the, the way out. It's very thoughtful of the BBC to make sure that we had the Strictly final last night. And the Apprentice final isn't until 9 o'clock. Uh, that's nothing to do with us. It's just the way the schedules have uh, fallen out. So you can sit back and you can relax. The theme of our service is when it all got personal. And I'm not only giving you a personal invitation, I'm praying that this will be personally inspiring. That as you hear a familiar story this evening, through carols, through readings, uh, it'll bring fresh meaning. We're lighting our Advent candles, and uh, Ellie's going to light our, our fourth candle. And it's the tradition on the fourth Sunday of Advent that we remember this as the angel candle. Because we remember how the angel message was that a king would be born in Bethlehem. And it was the angel that brought good tidings of great joy. So that's our prayer for this service. The service is going to proceed unannounced. Uh, we're going to stand, if you're able to, for the carols. We're going to sit for the readings. But let's first of all pray. Lord, as we light our candle this evening, we honor you as the king who is here among us. And may we hear, as the shepherds did, good tidings of great joy that will be a blessing to us this evening. Thank you that you love this world so much that you gave your son, Jesus, who was born to be our savior. We confess that sometimes we allow the most important event in history to become dull with familiarity. So help us with our carols and our readings to recapture that sense of wonder. We pray a special prayer this evening for those here this evening who may be unwell or anxious or bereaved. And we remember those for whom this is the first Christmas without a loved one. You are the Lord of Advents, and so we pray to you, please bring peace and hope and comfort to all our hearts through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
Isaiah 9, verses 2 to 7, the prophet foretells the coming of the Saviour. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of the death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For, as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The peace that Christ will bring. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of power 
the spirit of the knowledge and of fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash round his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them.
finance ministers on Tuesday formally approved Latvia's accession to the euro area. Israel's former prime minister, Ariel Sharon, has died at the age of 85. The fear of Ebola in affected countries and beyond is palpable. Despite all the controversy leading to the Sochi Water Games, everything went pretty much as smoothly as possible. And news this morning, Shirley Temple has died. President Putin made it very clear that Crimea would be joining the Russian Federation. Experts around the world are studying satellite images from Asia. New images that show something floating in the ocean five days after that passenger jet vanished. 239 people on board. Now the tide has receded slightly. You can see just how desperately damaged this track is. As the Environment Agency has warned that further wind, rain and waves could cause even more flooding. The terrorist group that kidnapped nearly 300 girls now threatening to sell them. Rescuers and families of those aboard the stricken South Korean car ferry that sank off the country's southwest coast on Wednesday haven't given up hope of finding more people alive among the hundreds still unaccounted for. This coach carrying 50 passengers all over the age of 60 had been traveling on a windy, narrow road through the Cornish countryside. And with that announcement, Thailand came under military rule. These are the areas ISIS holds so far. Their goal is to form an Islamist state ruled by Sharia law. Juliano Pinto helped make the start of the 2014 FIFA World Cup Brazil unforgettable. Israeli's defense forces have started a ground operation in Gaza. On Thursday, a Malaysian civilian airliner was shot down over eastern Ukraine. Authorities have tracked down the wreckage of the Algerian passenger plane that crashed in southern Malia. Three surfers have died after getting into difficulty in the Sea Arthur Beach in Cornwall. And in Devon, the future of youth centres are in doubt by cuts that will see most of the centres handed over to other agencies. And overnight, the Pentagon confirmed that the U.S. military and partner nations have begun striking targets in Syria. Today's a really exciting day. We officially launched the, the building of the new helipad. As a West Country boy, uh, recently adopted, but feeling a great passion for this part of the world, it's terrific to be here today and a real honour to receive this honorary doctor. The last few minutes, it's become clear that the president of Burkina Faso, Blaise Compare, has stepped down. The UN climate experts warning of severe changes to the world's weather unless greenhouse gas emissions are virtually eliminated by the end of the century. Celebrations erupt at the European Space Agency as if history is made. A spacecraft has landed on the surface of a comet. Lord, we, Lord, this is your needy world. We pray for peace to come. Have mercy on the suffering, of, on all our suffering around, across the world tonight. We think of the children murdered in Pakistan and the girls captured in Niger, Nigeria. 
Christmas per uh, Christians persecuted in several countries. We ask you to bring all the suffering to an end and comfort those who grieve. Help those who are hurting and may all the people in your presence you help have strength and your peace. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing for the city of Plymouth. We think of the homeless, the people who have little to eat over Christmas, the people who have little money, people who have problems with addiction. And we bring before you the children of our city who is suffering in different ways. Bless your people who, who are working with the help and the needy this Christmas. As we remember our city's motto, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Please move your spirit in all may know your loving of, of Lord Jesus in his precious name. We pray. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. The angel Gabriel visits Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to the angel went sent to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled. His words had wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren and unable to conceive in her, is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever, ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. When the angel left her, and the angel left her. Amen. Prayers were uh, led just recently by uh, John Walker, part of our street pastor prayer team. And this is Anne Scarf. She's also part of the uh, street pastor team. I was reading uh, this past weekend that they've got some new names for people over 80. Uh, they don't like the phrase old people. Uh, they've got a, a phrase like wisdom warrior. So we brought one of our wisdom warriors up uh, 
here this evening. If you're a visitor, you won't realize that Anne last year was honored with a Pride of Britain award. Uh, it was, yes, indeed, you can give her a clap. And, um, <laughs> Anne, Anne won the local hero award for the Southwest. And then they put all the names in the hats of people who have been local heroes from the four nations, different parts of the country. And Anne was chosen to be the local hero for the Pride of Britain Award. And you met Philip Schofield. I did. What yeah. did he say to you? Um, well, he comes from this area. And he said, Anne, I wish I had known you when I was a student in Plymouth. Because he said, you would have been a great help to me. And then he said... Well, actually, he said, Anne did help me once. I was in a wheelie bin, and she helped me out of the wheelie bin. <laughs> and so I said, well, I wasn't going to tell anyone that. That was something between us. So he, he was very gracious. Well, it sounds to me as if both your reputations have plummeted in the light <laughs> of that story. Um, now, that accent isn't a Devon accent. No, it's from the southwest, uh, the, yes, of Scotland. We're, thank you very much. <laughs> That's your friend John. Yeah. Whereabouts in Scotland? Here, the Air. town of Ayr. Okay. And you trained as a nurse? I did. I trained in Glasgow. I, I went to, um, um, I did my general in, first of all, I did my fevers in Glasgow. Um, in these days, you, you trained fevers. And then I did my general, and then I did my midwifery. So when you see Call the Midwife, it brings back happy memories. Absolutely, yes. Now, that you then joined as an officer the Queen Alexandra Nursing Corps. You entered as a captain. I did. And you then took a ship from Southampton to Mombasa. What happened on that sailing voyage? Well, that's where I met my Tom. Ooh. Uh, he was the chief engineer, and... Um, it was, it, I, I was at his table, um, and I was told that Tom only comes in the first night to meet all the, but after that you don't see him. However, Tom was there every night. <laughs> and he thought that it was all got to do with him. But believe me, David, I had a big hand in it. <laughs> <laughs> now, didn't you see something written on his forehead? I did, as he was coming, because everybody said, you know, you will only see him the once. And as he was coming in, there was an archway, um, and he came through, and I thought, on his forehead said, I belong to Anne. <laughs> <laughs> Who said the age of romance is dead? <laughs> now, you're, you go out every fourth Saturday as a street pastor. I do, I do, you, you, yes. must, you must meet some interesting people. Oh, I do. I do. I love it. I lo it's, it's always been my um, joy to take the church out of the church into the street. And um, I, I really gain a lot more than, than I give. You know, it's just, it's just wonderful. Now, without breaking any confidences, give us some idea of some of the people you've met in recent well, weeks. Um, I think... Uh, the, 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 all street pastors have got some fantastic stories to tell, but I think the one one of them that that uh, lasts with me was um, a man about in his late thirties, early forties, 
um, came into Shekinah when I was uh, working in Shekinah on Sunday night. And he said to me, do you remember me? And I looked at him and I thought, oh dear. No, I don't really remember you. Your face is familiar, but I don't remember you. Well, he said, four years ago, he said, I met you on Street Pastors. And he said, I had decided that night to end it all. I had come to the end of the road, and I just thought, I can't do any more. I just... And he said, I met you. And he said, you, you sat down in the pavement with me. And he said, we, we had a long chat, and we prayed. And he said, I realized that, that, you know, the way was up. And he said, here I am today. He had lost his family and his home, and he, had, he was now back with his family, and it was just lovely. It was lovely to hear that, that God had moved in this, this uh, man, you know. And that's just one. That's all the street pastors have got stories to tell. Well, I want you to know, I, we think that you and, and John and all the street pastors, not only from Muttley, but from all the churches, we think you do a fantastic job. And uh, we thank you for that. Now, what's your favorite carol? Oh, um, Silent Night. Tell me why. Well, um, as you know, I was a midwife. And when I think of Silent Night, and I see that baby born there, and the skate stable is usually very dark, but the glory of God was in that place. They didn't need electric lights. It was just, and, and then I think, you know, being a midwife, no gas in here, ladies, no pethidine, no epidurals, just the presence of God. It just, silent night just woos me away. Well, by a miracle of choreography. <laughs> The next carol is your favorite carol, Silent Night. Let's say thank you to Anne. Thank you.
Luke 2, 1-7, the birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them.
Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. The shepherds go to the manger. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that had he that had heard they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told.
The reading is from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without them nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. If you travel up the uh, M5, as you get towards Bristol, just east of the M5, is that road called the A46. It's an old Roman road, and uh, it travels, the bit I'm thinking of, between Bath and Sirencester. Midway along that A46 Bath to Sirencester road, you come across the town of Old Sodbury, not far from Chipping Sodbury. It's called Old because it's older than Chipping Sodbury. At the crossroads on that A46 near Old Sodbury, there stands the cross, hands, hotel. It does a very good lunch menu. Uh, on the menu at the moment, you can find, uh, let me find it, a battered Gloucestershire Old Spots pork sausage. And if you want that with pie and mushy peas, uh, with chips and mushy peas, it'll cost you just over £7. Robert Cardi and his wife Heather bought the Cross Hands Hotel in the 1970s. He'd worked as a waiter at the Savoy Hotel in London and they decided to begin a new life together in the Cotswolds. They put a lot of work into making that a pub restaurant come hotel. In fact, he was so proud of it, when he had finished all the renovations, he said, my hotel is fit for a king or queen to stay here. Well, little did Roberto know that his claim was going to, in fact, come true. And it happened in December 1981. 1981, December, um, the Queen had been delivering uh, Christmas gifts to her daughter, Princess Anne, who lived in nearby um, Gatcombe Park, which is about 10 miles from the Cross Hands Hotel. And uh, travelling along this A46 on this December Sunday afternoon, 
suddenly a storm blew up, a, a fierce snow blizzard, what we call a weather bomb. And because of the terrible weather, Roberto and his wife had sent the staff home. They never dreamt they'd see anybody in their pub or asked to stay at their hotel that night. And they settled down to watch the television. And what would they be watching but a TV repeat of the wedding of Charles and Diana, which had taken place in July earlier that year. Well, Roberto was about to lock up when suddenly dozens of people began to stream into the pub. The blizzard had blocked the road and cars had broken down and uh, within half an hour, 50 people were crowded into the lounge and uh, they'd booked rooms for the night, some of them, and some of them had ordered meals from the restaurant. Midway through all this busyness, a man sidled up and asked for the owner and uh, he said very discreetly to Roberto, um, I wish to inform you that Her Majesty the Queen is outside and uh, we wonder, is there room for the monarch? <laughs> well, there was one double room. It was room 15, it was on the second floor, uh, along a very narrow, creaky corridor. And Roberto showed the Queen to this room, and there she stayed for seven hours while they made separate arrangements. Uh, she arrived mid-afternoon and left just before midnight. When he was interviewed after the event, he was asked if he was nervous. He said, we didn't have time to be nervous. We just put the kettle on and offered her a cup of tea. <laughs> well, the Queen did better than Mary and Joseph, because we know in the original story what happened when Mary and Joseph arrived, and they knocked at the inn door. The innkeeper said, I'm sorry, there's no room. You'll have to go elsewhere. Roberto and his family were watching television when unscheduled and spontaneously the royal monarch knocked at the door and said, is there room in your house for me? That's the Christmas story in a nutshell. 2,000 years ago was when it all got personal. When the God who had created this amazing universe became a flesh and blood baby. And from that day when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he's been knocking at the lives of people saying, it's a room in your life for me. We've just heard Sheila read to us the words of John's Gospel. It's his account of how the Jesus story began. Unlike the Gospel, Matthew, Mark and Luke, there's no angels, there's no shepherds, there's no wise men. He chooses to begin with these words, in the beginning. In the beginning was the word. And it's a deliberate play on the opening words of the Bible, book of Genesis, in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the world. So John is deliberately saying to us, there's a connection between the birth of this baby Jesus and the beginning of the universe. In the beginning. Now we know how words can change a life. Uh, you'll be home in time for The Apprentice if that's your cup of tea and uh, it's mine, I hope it may be yours. You don't need to be a fan to know the famous words that Alan Sugar has been saying over the last weeks. To 19 people he said you're fired but tonight for the first time he's going to say to one of the lucky two you're hired and when he speaks those words something will happen. Tonight's winner will become a partner in a £250,000 business investment. When a word is spoken, something happens. 
So we understand the meaning, this powerful meaning of God the Word. That's one of his names. The Almighty God is called the Word because when he speaks, things happen, significant things. The, the Psalms, which is a favorite part of the Bible for many people, says this, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. So the word says, let there be light, and there is. The word says, let the ocean be filled with teeming creatures, and it happens. The word says, let there be two great lights, and there appears the sun and the moon. The word says, I will make male and female in my image, and Adam and Eve come into being. When words leave God's mouth, they're full of life and new creation. So when the word becomes flesh, something deeply significant has happened. The same word that was at the beginning of creation, bringing everything into being, this word now has become a flesh and blood human being whom we know as Jesus. One of the biggest questions that may be your question that people ponder throughout the centuries how can this God, this almighty God, this invisible, remote, detached from the world, this God, how can this God that you say made the universe, how can he become personal to me? Does he know me? Does he know some of the struggles that I go through? Out of the more than seven billion people on this planet, does he know my name? And the good news of Christmas and the reason we celebrate is the powerful word has become a vulnerable baby. And yes, he does know your name. God has come to be with us here. God with us. We've already heard that in our reading. My first Saturday job was in Kingston-on-Thames. Uh, I worked for what then was a pittance. Uh, a paper boy now gets more in one day, or a paper girl. Uh, I know that from my grandchildren. Then I got slaving away in Bentor's departmental store. Uh, but near Bedforth Departmental Store is the magnificent Market Square of Kingston. I remember a guy sitting down having a cup of coffee with a group of friends, and he was big into Star Wars and science fiction and anything to do with space travel. So they got talking about how somehow God was mixed up with all this. And then, as a passing comment, one of his fellow students, a girl, just said, and by the way, God knows you by name blew his mind. But that's what happens when it all gets personal. That God isn't simply born as a baby in Bethlehem. The Word becomes flesh, a flesh and blood human being who lives among us. That's what makes him such a sympathetic person. But this person is the one who knows us individually, mind-boggling. Why does God do all this? Well, because he made us in love. Your mum and dad, obviously, my mum and dad, brought me into being, whoever brought you into being, but, but behind all that is this amazing designer, God. And the way he's made us means that the only way truly to live life is in harmony with the way he's made us, that is, putting him right at the center of things. When Jesus, he was asked some fantastic questions in his earthly ministry, he was asked this, you know, what's the, what's the most important commandment? And he began with this one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And he went on to name other commandments, but that was number one. Why? 
Because when you put God at the very center of your life, suddenly everything falls into place. It's as the designer intended, as the maker wanted it to be. Uh, Somebody once uh, described they'd had a time when that central relationship with God wasn't in their lives. And they described that period before as a big chunk missing in my soul. I think the love between two people is a wonderful thing. I've known it in my own life and continue to know it. But the love of another human being will never fill that spiritual chunk missing in your life, however deep and wonderful that love. Only God can do that. Money and ambition and pleasure and parties, all of them are okay in themselves. Jesus went to parties. He understood the power of wealth and turned people's lives around to make sure that they were using their wealth in proper ways. He loved ambition, spoke about that. But money, ambition, parties, they're not meant to fill that missing chunk in your life. They're not big enough. The missing chunk in your life can only be met by God himself. And that's why we discover this chunk that's missing in our life. Sometimes, these are my words, but they may resonate with how you feel. They're sometimes linked with what we call spiritual hunger or just a deep longing. You don't get that when you're busy. You get it in the early hours of the morning or when you can't get to sleep at night or a quiet moment when you're driving. You know it. It's a longing that every human being has. A hunger for meaning and purpose. A longing to somehow get rid of the bad things that are in your life. And we call them sins and we want some to have a clean beginning, whether that's sins we've done or sins that have been done to us. It's a hunger for new birth, new beginning. If only I could begin my life over again. It's a longing that life doesn't just end here. There's more. And all that spiritual hunger and deep longing that every human being has at some point, that's to do with the chunk that's missing in your life. That's why it's such a wonderful message at Christmas. The message at Christmas is that Jesus, by his birth, by his life, by his death for our sins on the cross by his resurrection from the grave, all these things become possible. When we open the door of our lives and say there's room here, and meaning and purpose suddenly falls into place. Sin can be forgiven. New starts are promised, and we have the promise of a life that never ends. It was on the first Christmas night when it all got personal, when the word became a flesh and blood human being. And I wonder if you detected in that reading from John that uh, we're part of the Christmas story. What does he say? He says, to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become children of God. When the queen came to the Cross Hands Hotel in the Cotswolds, all the owner had to say to the monarch was, welcome, there's room in this place for you. And as you sit there this evening, that's all you have to do. You say to the monarch of the universe, when he comes knocking on the door of your life, there's room in this heart for you. Listen, as the choir takes some of those words from John chapter 1.
and sing to us the words, the word became flesh.
Matthew chapter 2, reading at verse 1 through 12. The wise men are led by the star. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having, see, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route.
Well, that's really great singing. And uh, thank you to our choir, to Emma, and to you, because you've made uh, this a very special Carols by Candlelight. Do join us for coffee and mince pies after the service. Uh, you can either come through this door on my right, or you can go round, and there is an entrance down the side of the church. If you're going on night duty, or you can't stop, uh, our team have put some mince pies in the vestibule, so you don't go ho have to go home hungry. In your worship pack this evening, you'll have had this little leaflet towards belief. Um, in my experience, a lot of people begin a new spiritual journey um, around Christmas and in the new year. And what we've done is we've put together this uh, new, it's been produced, a mixture of Australia and the United Kingdom, uh, towards belief tackle some of the great questions that people ask about suffering, about Bible, about in a world of religions, is Christianity the only way? There are ten major topics, and we're taking over Costa Cafe up on Mutley Plain on Monday evenings, commencing on the 19th of January. Each evening, we'll show the 25-minute video, then there's opportunity for coffee and discussion. It'll be run by people who are used to receiving questions, whatever your questions might be. If you can't make Mondays, but you can make Sunday nights, starting on the first Sunday of January, we're beginning a series called Questions That Get Under the Skin. And although we won't see the videos on those occasions, we will be tackling similar topics, the relationship between science and Christian faith, suffering, the Bible, prayer, the supernatural world, all those kind of big topics. So it's a great way to begin the new year. And here's a taster from the DVD series uh, Towards Belief. The Christian church and Christian faith is being questioned across the Western world. The church is believed to be dying, obsolete, as well as allowing the abuse of children to go unchecked. Christian faith is attacked as lacking intellectual or logical foundation. In response to these challenges, we have created a new series, Towards Belief. Join us as we take you on a journey to speak with Christian thinkers as they diffuse the belief blockers of our time. The real battle or conflict, as I see it, is not between science and belief in God. It's between two worldviews. You know, we're really disappointed when we see leaders do terrible things. I see my work on this topic as uh, an ode to doubt. I felt the greatest tragedy would be to take the most important message in the world and make it boring and irrelevant to people. You hear all of the time, well, how can you say that one way has the truth? There's so many different religions. They all claim a path to God. The Anglican Church in the Diocese of London has gone up 70% since 1996. So that, this is the growth that is happening. People think the church is declining, but it's not. And yet many people across the world actually find the Bible really hard to deal with. We talk with some of the best Christian minds and apologists across the globe to give those with serious philosophical questions responses that have both academic rigor and accessible information. Towards Belief is designed for the average person with material that will address commonly held views about Christian faith and belief. The series closes with an opportunity for the viewer to make a response to all they have seen and heard. 
This series will help the viewer grapple with the blockers to belief and provide the opportunity to take a fresh look at Christian faith. Let me say this prayer over all our lives. To the God who blesses us beyond our imagining, who loves us beyond our dreaming, who forgives us beyond our deserving, and who uses us beyond our hoping, to the only wise God, our Savior, be praise and thanksgiving 
honor and adoration, now and always. Amen.